this morning. 204, 204.
thank God for his amazing and marvelous grace today. Where would we be if it weren't for the grace of God? Amen. I'm thankful that his grace is sufficient for every need. I need a bulletin. If somebody would bring me a prayer bulletin. Uh, amen. But uh, hallelujah. Are you thankful for grace today? Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate that. Amen. We just, we're dropping the ball this morning. Uh, it'd be all right. If that's the worst thing that happens to us today, it's been a good day. It's the way I feel. And, and even if it's not, it'll still be a good day. Praise God. The Lord's good. Uh, God's good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Do you believe that today? Amen. Amen. It's rainy, but uh, at least... We don't have a foot of snow on the ground. Uh, like they, I reckon they're getting it pretty bad up on the top of the mountains. Uh, but uh, amen, so it could always be worse, right? Uh, amen. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. God's been good to you, and you're blessed. He's been better to us than what we deserve. Is that your testimony today? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, well, sweetheart week. So if you haven't um, bought anything for your sweetheart, you better get, get to it. Amen. Time's running out. Uh, and listen, when you got a house full of girls, you got more than one sweetheart. And uh, amen. I even have to buy for my dog. Amen. She'll get jealous if I buy for Holly and the girls and leave her out. Amen. So uh, sweetheart day's Tuesday. Uh, but I'm thankful for my first love, Jesus Christ. Uh, he loved, or I love Him today because He first loved me. I'm thankful for the love of God this morning, aren't you? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise uh, His name. Just by way of announcements, uh, I do want to remind you uh, that we're going to have a very, very special uh, evening tonight as the Rochester family, the Ben Rochester family uh, from over in North Carolina. Uh, listen, if they're from North Carolina, they can sing, I promise you. That's the one thing about it. The best singers and preachers seem to come out of North Carolina. Uh, I don't know why that is, but uh, they'll be here and they are good. They're a mixture of uh, Southern Gospel and Bluegrass, very talented, very spirit-filled. So you do not want to miss tonight's service. We need our people to be here. I'm hoping that we'll have some visitors. It's been on the radio, uh, we've uh, on the TV, the radio, and the newspapers, so I do expect some visitors, but uh, amen, come out and support this, this family tonight as uh, they were nervous uh, about traveling over the mountain. I talked to Ben uh, on Friday and, and he was a little bit nervous because of the weather, uh, but they're willing to make the trip. They're coming, they'll, as a matter of fact, they're supposed to be at Greystone this morning and then they'll be with us tonight. So please make a special effort to be uh, with us uh, this evening at 6 o'clock p.m. Bring somebody with you. As we worship the Lord in song. Amen. Uh, I do need some men, if at all possible, to uh, stay with me after church and help us get the sanctuary in order. Uh, again, they're going to they're gonna need the stage. Uh, amen. Clear it off. And, uh, so stay with me after church and let's see if we can get the sanctuary cleared off. Of course, there again, with it raining, I don't, I don't know. We can talk about that if it would be better for us to... Uh, I don't know if there's going to be a, a, a stop in the rain, if it'd be better for us to do it. But they're supposed to be here about 3 or 3.30 today, so we've got to get things ready 
for the Rochester family. So please help me, and um, uh, let's uh, let's get things ready for what should be an exciting uh, night tonight uh, with the Rochesters. Also, uh, we are going to have a baptism, Lord willing, next Sunday at. Um, Amen. Uh, Liberty Free Will Baptist Church, uh, Guy Brown, 91 Guy Brown Road, Chucky. Uh, amen. Up in the South Central community. Uh, Sunday, February the 19th. Uh, again, let's set that tentatively for 3 o'clock. We'll do the baptism at 3 o'clock. That'll give you time to uh, have a good lunch and then meet us up there at 3 o'clock in the, in the South Central community. And uh, we are going to uh, uh, have a baptism. Better, better indoor than in Horse Creek, can I get a witness today? So if you have not been baptized and you're interested in doing so, um, again, as long as you've been saved and to the best of the ability, you're walking in fellowship with the Lord, it'd be our honor to baptize you. So come, you better get in now, uh, except you have to do it um, in the cold water during the summer. So... Uh, a wonderful opportunity to have this baptism. Also, and, and again, I, I hate to do it. I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. It's very important. I do have a, an urgent matter that needs to be discussed uh, this afternoon. If Deacons and trustees, if you could meet me at about 5 o'clock, we just have one item to, to, to discuss, but it is very important. And, um, uh, of course, the uh, arrangements for the Danielle Owens uh, um, family. They're going to be doing the visitation this afternoon at Jeffers Mortuary from 4 to 7 and then uh, they'll have the funeral service tonight at 7 and then the graveside service will be tomorrow. I'm going to go by the funeral home this afternoon. Obviously won't be able to attend the service but I will be at the graveside as well tomorrow so continue uh, to remember this. So yes it's a busy day but that's okay. Amen. We just uh, need to make sure we do what we have to do to get things uh, accomplished. Any announcements that I'm forgetting about? All right. Prayer requests. Let's uh, continue to pray. And I, I know I, I mentioned this uh, first thing about every Sunday, but I do that on purpose because it is a priority. Let's continue to pray for Brother Matt. Cut y'all. Uh, again, remember him and... Uh, Reconciliation Ministries. Let's pray for Matt. Uh, let's not forget him. Amen. Uh, let's also pray for uh, Lyle's mom, Miss Lula. How's she doing, Lyle? Uh, not doing all right. Lord, Amen. Amen. Yeah, I tell you, one of the worst things, one thing that's worse than being sick is being sick and not knowing what's wrong. So let's uh, pray for Miss Lula in prayer. Remember Sam? I talked to Sam uh, this week, and he's, um, he's doing okay, uh, but he still needs our prayers. Uh, again, as he's in quite a bit of pain from uh, his recent surgery. Uh, continue to remember Miss Linda Coggins in prayer. Uh, pray for the Price family. Remember Bob and Pat Price. And again, uh, Pat's brother, John Whitaker. Remember him in prayer. Remember my brother-in-law, Chris McCoy, as he will be going for his surgery tomorrow. He's going to be having an outpatient surgery tomorrow in Asheville, North Carolina. 
to remove uh, this mass on his bladder. So please remember him. I told the church that we would uh, be praying for him. Uh, certainly we need to remember the Danielle Owens family, this 16-year-old uh, young girl that, um, uh, again, tragically, uh, her body was found uh, this, this past week, I believe Tuesday, uh, in a field here in our community. She was a longtime uh, attender of our youth ministry here at the church and, and had been here, attended in the not-too-distant past. Uh, again, she attended um, just as a young child, and um, I've been in constant or regular contact with her grandfather, uh, Richard Hinkle, remember Richard Hinkle uh, in prayer, and uh, that family obviously is devastated as Richard just lost his daughter uh, a few months back to cancer and um, went by the funeral home yesterday to take care of some business. And, um, you know, um, it, it just, it's, it's really a tough thing. They uh, had brought in some stuffed animals and different things that they wanted to place in her casket. And certainly um, my heart's broken this morning for that family, and uh, we just need to remember them. We need to pray for all of our young people, our children, in prayer, as uh, certainly they're under the attack uh, from Satan. Uh, amen, right? Amen. Let's remember um, uh, Miss Joanne in prayer. Remember her. And Michael, I think you've had uh, some good news this week. Is that right, brother? Amen. Okay. All right. Amen. 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 Continue to remember Michael and his ongoing health situation. Uh, pray for my mom and dad as they're still uh, out of town. Uh, remember them in prayer. Remember Otis Melton. I talked with him yesterday, and uh, we just need to continue to remember uh, Otis in prayer. Continue to remember um, Ashley Fender and Lynn Harrison. I was able to visit with uh, Karen and Lynn um, this past Friday night, and we need to pray for them. Uh, Lynn has actually made some improvement the last time I visited he was uh, in a hospital bed, but now he's at least able to get up and, and uh, be about uh, somewhat, but he still uh, greatly needs our prayers. Um, let's see, does anybody know how Miss Betty Fiesel, is she doing any better? Okay. All right. All righty. Yes, ma'am. Let's remember uh, Miss Betty uh, in prayer. And um, I'll uh, open it up for you at this time, any prayer requests that you might have to make today. Please pray for the family of Tommy Hahn, uh, who passed away oh my on Thursday, and uh, his funeral was today. I hate to hear that. Michelle, go ahead. Found a paper on the breast 
for an appointment in Switzerland for euthanization. My goodness. My goodness, Michelle. It's a very serious matter. Bless her heart. Goodness. Very, very serious matter there. Alex Crankle, remember this need in prayer. I saw another hand here. Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Amen. Remember uh, Daniel and Teresa's son, Alec, uh, his health, uh, and uh, may uh, be making some progress there spiritually as well. So let's continue to pray for him. Um, let me give you this, and I'm not going to... Uh, Robert uh, McLean messaged me this morning. Of course, he's a part of a group that's going out uh, and doing some street ministry. And, uh, boy, he gave me a list a mile long this morning of people that he met last night down in Knoxville uh, by way of this street ministry. And it's just a wonderful example of what we talked about last Sunday. If we'll just go out, the Lord will give us uh, people uh, uh, to minister to that are in need. And uh, so just remember uh, this ministry that Robert is involved in, and let's just uh, pray that... Uh, the Lord will give them fruit for their labor. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Somebody else today. Amen. My goodness. Amen. Okay. Remember this gentleman with uh, Reconciliation Ministries? His name is Charlie. Amen. We may not know his last name, but the Lord does, right? Amen. Amen. Uh, I would be remiss today uh, not to mention those who have um, tragically perished by way of this, these earthquakes that hit Turkey. And, um, you know, the original estimate was um, as many as 20,000. But now they've raised that total to what they're expecting um, to be uh, over 50,000 people die as a result of this, these, these massive earthquakes. And um, that being said, the last time I checked, there were still 80,000 total that were missing. So who knows what the total um, death count will be when it's all said and done. But uh, even though they may be on the other side of the world, we ought to pray for them and be concerned about them. Amen? Somebody else? Yeah, go ahead, Becky. Um, there was a 
Oh, goodness. Remember this eight-month-old eight that's in critical condition. Other prayer requests today. Kimberly Ward. Anyone else? I will say this, there uh, are reports of um, what we might refer to as a, uh, a semi-spontaneous revival that uh, has broken out in Kentucky at Asbury University. And, um, you know, you hear about these things and uh, is it real <laughs> or is it not real? Uh, a lot of fool's gold. In our day, when it comes to revival, let's just be let's just be honest about it. But you know where real revival is, there will be humility, there will be prayer, and there will be repentance. And um, you know, like I said, uh, from what you hear, that's you know, there's no sensationalism about this. It just it has kind of happened amongst the student body of that college. And, um, you know, I'm not as concerned about uh, whether or not it is real. That's between uh, them and the Lord. But I just pray that it would be. Because, church, if, if we don't have revival, we're in a mess. But if we don't humble ourselves, if we don't pray, if we don't seek God's face, and if we don't repent, there will be no revival. Amen? Amen. Any others today? Uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Amen. God's trying to get our attention today, isn't it? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, amen. God can work in mysterious ways. And um, I don't 
care how he does it as long as he does it. Amen. Yeah, instead of uh, having a demonic performance like at the Grammy Awards, right? Amen. Amen. Well, one way or another, the Lord's going to get the last word. Amen. Any other requests today? Amen. Tommy Hahn family, remember this? Anyone else? Unspoken requests by the uplifted hand. Lost loved ones we need to pray for. Amen. We'll gather around the altar and we'll bring these requests before the Lord. If you'd like to join us, you can do so. If not, pray there in your seats, please. So good to have my dear friend Randy Freshour with us. Brother Randy, will you lead us in prayer today?
All right, I need two kids. I need two children. There's two. Uh, Brian said there already is two, but amen. <laughs> All right, this is a children's missionary offering as far as the kiddos are concerned, and then we'll receive the regular offering. Lyle, would you lead us in prayer today, sir? Take your gold hymnals and stand and turn to 329. 329. Days are filled with sorrow. is very near Cast on Jesus today leave your worry and fear burdens are lifted at Calvary Jesus is very near burdens are lifted at Calvary Calvary, Calvary, burdens are lifted at Calvary, Jesus is very near. On the last now, troubled soul, the Savior can see every heartache and fear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Sing it out now. Burdens are lifted. Calvary. Glory. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. 
Sing that chorus one more time now. Burdens leave at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Stay standing and turn to 508. I'm going to switch it up on you. Well, no, that's not the one I wanted. Um, amen. Hold on just a second. Uh, 509. Page 509. Amen. 509. We're going to sing in A flat, everybody. Is that all right? Y'all good? <laughs> Hallelujah. You're fine. Y'all don't understand as musicians, it's hard to process. You go from one song to another and you get one melody out of your head. And uh, boy, it's, 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 it's uh, easier said than done. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Maria. That's good. We need drinks for the youth. Juice boxes, water. Amen. No monster drinks. <laughs> Amen. In times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor, be very sure, be very sure, your anchor holds and grips the solid rock, this rock is Jesus. Oh, do you believe that today? Amen. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Times like these, you need the Bible. Oh, that's true today. In times like these, oh, be not idle, be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds, grips the solid. This rock is Jesus. Yes, he's. Do you believe that this morning? This rock is Jesus. 
good singing. You can be seated. Holly, can you and Josh and Ashley come? Y'all just need to just know that if you're here, you're going to sing. So <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> but uh, as they're coming, you know, the Bible re uh, refers to that as being fully persuaded in your mind. In other words, I've made up my mind. There's no uncertainty. There's nothing that can change my mind. As opposed to, was it uh, Agrippa? That they said about him that he was almost persuaded. Listen, in, this, in these days, almost persuaded, that's not going to cut it. You'll end up quitting and giving up. Amen? But listen, I'm fully persuaded, amen, that what God said in his word is just exactly what he's going to do. If you believe that, say amen today.
said C to D flat. See who I was before. 
serves the God of their choice, but salvation still comes in one name. That name is Jesus, sweet rose of Sharon, spotless and pure lamb of God. Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the promised Emmanuel, God's Son. Jesus, my Lord. Conquered the grave. 
regular. He's a spotless lamb. You'll never find fault in him. That's what Pilate said. <laughs> he examined him from every angle that he possibly could, just looking for something to justify killing him. But when it was all said and done, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. And you know what? They're still looking for fault in, in the lamb of God. But yet, he's holy, he's harmless, and he's without sin. But you know what? The next time we see him, it won't be as a lamb. Amen. It'll be as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. As he demonstrates the, full, the fullness of his authority and his power and dominion over all things. The Bible says that God the Father hath put all things in under his feet. He's given him a name that's highly exalted. God said he's exalted him, uh, amen, to that place. He's given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. You know, one of these days the old devil's going to be forced down on his bended knee and confess once and for all that Jesus Christ really and truly is is who the Bible says he is. Boy, I hope I get a front seat. Hope I get a front row seat uh, for that and experience that. Just watching the Lord cast the devil into hell where he belongs. I, I hope he, I, I wish he'd let me get a sucker punch in, amen. Just give him one, one good shot. Uh, all those uh, bruises and bumps that he's uh, caused to fall onto my life. Boy, I'm thankful for Jesus today. You know, that's why we're here this morning. It's because of Jesus. If it were not for Jesus, there would be no reason for us to meet together on Sunday morning. We're, we're here today. We worship on the Lord's Day, signifying the day that Jesus arose victoriously out of the ground, conquering death, hell, and sin. Amen. Are you thankful for that today? Amen. You have victory today. You're not looking for victory, but you are fighting because you have obtained victory through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory. That, that giveth, that's in a continual tense. Uh, he's already given us victory. He's continuing to do so until the day God calls us home to glory. Amen. He'll continue to give us that victory we so desperately stand in need of. Oh, amen. Praise God. I'm thankful for Jesus. Turn to Romans chapter number 9. Romans chapter number 9 in your Bibles. Amen. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm glad I came to church today. Anybody else thankful you're in the house of God this morning? Right where I want to be. Nobody had to put a gun to my head and force me to come to church. I'm here uh, of my own accord because I want to be in God's house. Amen. Praise God. Romans chapter number 9, verse number 1. Romans chapter number 9, verse number 1. Is the pulpit on, mic on, Mike? No pulpit mic. I don't know what we got going on here, but it's, it's squirrely today. 
the old devil, amen. He, if the devil get anything, in anything, it'll be the sound system. But that's all right. He's working on it. Well, if you get it fixed, give me a thumbs up, all right? Praise God. How many of you have confidence in Mike? Golly, you're in a mess, brother. Half, 75% of the crowd didn't raise their hand. You feel the love. Amen. Uh, Romans chapter 9, if you found your place, say amen. Stand in reverence the Word of God this morning. Romans chapter number 9, verse number 1. And I need your prayers today, a very serious and sombering message that God's laid on my heart. And I pray that that uh, pray for strength and grace that God would help me to deliver it to you, and not only in truth, but with the impact that needs to be made upon us uh, as we read these verses. Romans chapter one, verse chapter number nine, verse number one. Paul wrote these verses. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. We see here three. Uh, different kinds of witnesses. Paul had to vindicate the fact that he truly was living according to God's will. That's the witness of the truth. How many of you are thankful for the witness of the truth that we have in Christ? But also the, the witness of his conscience. Amen. That inner voice that we need to pray that God will keep sensitive. Amen. And tender and receptive. Uh, to the voice of God, but then finally the witness of the Holy Ghost, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God that was birthed in our hearts on the day that we got born again. Three witnesses, the witness of Christ, the witness of the conscience, uh, and the witness of the Holy Spirit. But here's where I want to call your attention to today, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Let me read that last verse, verse number 3. And I want you to really grasp what Paul's trying to get across to us here today. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh with the Lord's help today I want to preach on this thought will we get a burden Father in heaven I love you I thank you for your goodness thank you for your grace thank you Lord for Lord um, uh, Lord just the ability that you allowed us today to get out of our beds and and get ready and come to your house. And Lord, what a, a privilege it is. What a pleasure that we have to assemble ourselves together. Lord, not just with each other. Lord, if, uh, if that was all this war, was today was a, as a congregation or a gathering of friends. Lord, it might not amount to anything more than being a club. But Father, Lord, we're thankful this morning that uh, it's so much more than that. And God, because your presence is here, the Holy Spirit of God indwells the hearts of those who are saved. What we have, it's more than a club, but we have a church. Lord, we have an assembly of born-again, baptized believers. 
who've been called out of the world to worship you in the light of your glory and grace. And Lord, we've done our best to offer up our praise, offer up our prayers, Lord, offer up our, our voices and songs, Lord, to give unto you the offerings, God, of our finances. But, oh, God, now, Lord, I pray that we would so graciously open up our hearts that we might receive the truths, Lord, that you have imparted to us uh, through your infallible word. God, I pray, God, Lord, that, uh, uh, Father, Lord, the portion of the grace we receive from you would be more than, the, uh, more than the proportion of the praise we offered up to you. And God, because I'm afraid that we are lax so many times in the offering up of our praise and worship to thee, but, Lord, then we expect to receive uh, something from you. So, God, would you just graciously and mercifully bestow uh, upon us the help that we all desperately stand in need of. And God, would you enlighten our minds. Lord, would you uh, illuminate our eyes and soften and tenderize our hearts to the truths of thy word today. And Lord, I pray you'd give me an unction Lord, something more than the abilities or the talents of my own flesh can perform. But God, would you endue me with power from on high. God, cleanse my heart. Or there'd be nothing in my life that would grieve or quench the Holy Spirit of God from imparting unto these people what we all stand in need of today. Lord, move in our midst, work in our hearts, and give us that which you have prepared for us today. And we're going to praise you in advance, meet every need, touch every heart. If there might be one amongst us who are watching online who is lost, we pray that they might be saved. By your amazing and marvelous grace. In Jesus' name we pray all God's people said. You may be seated. Will we get a burden? And I take my text from Romans chapter number 9. Verses 2 and 3. Where we find what I personally consider to be one of the strongest statements. That is recorded anywhere in the Bible. Let alone in the writings of the Apostle Paul. Again, verses number 2 and 3, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, who are according to the flesh. But let's not forget about verse number 1, the evidence, the testimony, or the witness of Paul's burden. And if we were to uh, put each and every one of us individually uh, on trial this morning, bring you up before the entire congregation, would there be sufficient evidence in your life? Would there be a definitive testimony? Would there be a tangible form of witness to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you and I really and truly do have a burden? That's a sombering question, isn't it, church? For Paul, there were witnesses to the fact that he had a burden. But in verse number 2, he describes a great heaviness and a continual sorrow that existed way down in the depths of his heart, or we might say uh, below the collarbone. I believe I've heard Josh use that testimony before. Uh, amen. Just uh, again, a heaviness and a continual sorrow 
that, ab- that abode in his heart and life. Paul is describing as a great and a heavy burden, one that crushed him. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. And that word bruised, uh, amen, uh, almost indicates a, a, uh, a bruise that comes as a result of a pressure that's been put upon you, almost a crushing sensation. And that's what Jesus experienced when he died on Calvary as he bore the heavy weight, the grief and the sorrow. He was wounded for our trans, but he was bruised and he was crushed. And under the heaviness and the weight of our iniquities, that's the kind of burden, a similar burden that Paul was expressing here in our text. Uh, And notice here how that the word continual is used by the apostle to describe the duration and the length of what truly was not just a temporary but an ongoing condition. In other words, it wasn't just an occasion or a sporadic feeling that came in over him and lasted for just a little while and then suddenly faded or vanished away, but instead it was a perpetual heaviness a continuous weight and an ongoing burden that kept weighing his life down from one day to another. Now what I don't think this means is that Paul spent every day of his life after he got saved walking around in a state of sadness, you know, with a big frown on his face all the time as if he was the most miserable person in all the world, unlike a lot of Christians I know. Amen, you helped me preach today. Paul's life as well as our lives ought to be uh, about experiencing the joy, the peace, and the satisfaction and contentment that comes from knowing and serving Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, we cannot expect this world to want what we have if we walk around with a big old frown on our face all the time and act like we're the most miserable people in all the world. Amen. God's people ought to be a happy people. Amen. We ought to at least act like we're enjoying our salvation. David said, restore unto me the joy of of our salvation. And I believe that would be God's will for the church of 2023, that the Lord would see fit to restore the joy of what it means to be free from sin and to serve God with all of our hearts. Why would the world want what we have simply by the way we carry ourselves and the disposition we present before a lost and dying world when we're out in public? Amen? And I'm afraid that one of the reasons the world don't want uh, nothing to do with what we who are saved have and possess is because of the way we carry ourselves. And you need to be sensitive when you're out in public and know somebody's watching you. Amen. Somebody's eyes on you. And in their mind they're thinking, well, let me just see about that Christian to see whether or not they're for real. Amen. And friend, we ought to have a disposition that lends towards joy and peace and happiness and contentment because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That being said, part of the responsibility that we have as Christians to carry our crosses daily 
Is that not what the Bible says that we are to do? Uh, now, I do realize that his yoke is easy and his burden is light comparing to the heaviness and the weight of sin that used to weigh us down. But friend, you ought never lose sight of the fact that God has called you not just to live uh, uh, with an attitude of triviality, uh, amen, or lightness, as if you don't have a care in the world, friend. Part of your bur or part of your responsibility as a Christian is to live your life in under the, the weight and the heaviness of the cross that God has commanded you to carry. And part of that weight that we have been commissioned by our commanding officer, amen, the chief captain of our salvation, is to live our lives with a continual weight and a perpetual heaviness that goes along with the realization that we have of just how high the seriousness of the stakes are regarding the souls of men of whom we cross paths with on a daily basis. Friend, we all, all already be in under a state of conviction. Amen. I want to remind you here today that what we are doing as God's people, or let me put it this way, what we are supposed to be doing uh, as the people of God when it comes to being witnesses for Jesus and as far as persuading and compelling sinners to be reconciled unto the Lord their God is a very serious and a very sombering matter that we who are saved take way too lightly and it's not nearly as big of a deal to us as what it should be than what it ought to be. Jude said it this way, some having compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. He says, knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Not just the terror of, of, of the thought that one day they may burn in hell if somebody doesn't persuade them and compel them to be reconciled to God, but also knowing uh, the terror of the thought that one day we're going to stand before a holy God and give an account before Him as to whether or not we've done our job that He's left us here to do. And that is to be ambassadors and representatives. Amen. And this business of reconciling sinners unto Himself, it's a, it's a work of an aggression. Amen. It's a work of activity. Uh, it's a work of intensity. It'll never happen accidentally, amen. But if you're going to make a difference in a lost and dying world for uh, the one who bled and died for your sins, it's going to have to be a big deal to you as it was a big deal to him. You know, I mentioned uh, briefly last week in the message that I preached concerning the Good Samaritan, and boy, I thought about that all week. But we have absolutely no idea just exactly who the Lord might sovereignly and providentially allow our paths to cross with from one day to the next. And whether we want to admit it or recognize the fact, our witness may very well be the only thing that stands between them and spending an eternity in a devil's hell. We don't view it like that, do we, church? Amen. And as we walk back up, the Jericho Road on our journey to Jerusalem. We were the ones who used to be lying in the ditch. Used to be the one who had been 
uh, wounded and stripped and left for dead, amen, by the thief and the robber. But somebody cared enough uh, to see us in our estate and to come to where we were at and to pick us up out of that pit and set us back on the right way. And whereas I was going downward from Jerusalem to Jericho, now I've been turned around and I'm headed in a different direction and I'm going upward <laughs> towards God's holy city. But listen, there's other people who've been stripped and robbed and left for dead. And we may be the only thing standing in between them and a place of eternal damnation. Every single one of us have a choice as to how we're going to respond and react to those God-ordained situations that so frequently cross our life's pathway. And friend, it's time for us to quit viewing it as an accident or a coincidence. But I'm telling you, God regularly and routinely arranges the circumstances of your life to allow you to cross paths with somebody that if you don't tell them about Jesus and if I don't express the love of Christ for their souls then I'm going to have their blood, their blood on my hands when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I've told that story about Percy Ray Amen. In, in his biography, how that uh, when he was pastoring, that for whatever reason, the treasurer of the church could not make the Monday, Monday morning deposit after the offering had been taken the previous day. And it was very urgent that the very first thing in the morning, from the time the bank opened, that that offering went into to the account immediately or the church. Uh, amen, would go into the red, all right? And, and, but as, as, as Dr. Ray was on his way to the bank to make that deposit, first thing on Monday morning, he said the Spirit of the Lord directed his attention to a house of a man that he'd visited before and he knew was lost. And the Holy Spirit said, Dr. Ray, that's where you need to go. And he said, okay, Lord, I will after I make the deposit. The Lord said, no, not afterwards, but right now you need to stop and witness to that man. And I mean, Dr. Ray said that he could feel the tug of war, the pull. Do I go to the bank or do I stop and say a word about Jesus to this man? Well, Dr. Ray did what many of us do, and that is he went to the bank first. And he said, on my way back to visit this man and to be obedient to God. To his commands. He said, I had every intent to tell him about Jesus. He said, as I topped the hill, I saw flashing light. And the closer I got, I saw the, the, uh, the rescue vehicles and the medical vehicles there. And somehow that man had wandered out of his house and had went to cross the local train tracks. And a train ran over him. And killed him instantly. And he said immediately the seriousness of what had happened. And knowing that one of these days God would hold me responsible for my negligence and my disobedience. 
Even though that, that I had the intent of doing the right thing, I waited just a few moments too late. He said, I spent the rest of that day, I was commissioned by the Lord to help them go through the gruesome practice of, of, of separating that man's body parts and putting them into a bucket after he had been brutally uh, killed by that train. And again, that just demonstrates to us the seriousness and the highness of the stakes of what you and I are dealing with in our world today. And I think if all of us were to admit the fact that we would say that we do not view our role as witnesses for Christ as seriously and as somberly as we should. Amen? Uh, amen. Uh, listen, uh, one way or another, we're going to be either like the priest or the Levite, who even though they saw the man down there lying in the ditch, and even though they may have said a prayer, shook their head, or even felt somewhat sorry for the man's condition, and that uh, temporarily alleviated their conscience, just because they cared enough to pray. Uh, cared enough to say, boy, that's a tragedy. But they didn't take it any further. They were too busy. They were running late. They were distracted by whatever business they were trying to tend to at the moment, or maybe they just didn't want to get involved. Inconvenience themselves or get out of their comfort, comfort zone by getting all dirty and nasty walling around there in the ditch with the man who had been left for half dead. Or maybe they just took for granted the fact that the next person who passed by, they assumed, would probably be willing to take the time to help that person. Uh, amen. And because they just assumed somebody else would come along shortly thereafter, they just kept on going. Because to them, their priorities and their responsibilities were more important than the condition of that man's soul. Who knows, maybe the priest knew that the old Levite was a little ways behind him, so the priest just assumed that the Levite would be willing to stop and take the time to care for that man. So let me ask you here today, if you're not willing to take the time to stop and help those whom your life crosses paths with on a daily basis, then what makes us think or be so confident that somebody else who comes along a little later, we'll be willing to stop and help that person in need. You know, the truth of the matter is, it's a shame when lost and worldly folk are more apt to stop and help people laying in the ditch than we Christians are. You help me preach right there. But listen, friends, when it comes to helping sinners whom our lives cross paths with, we must naturally assume that if we don't stop and help them, then most likely nobody else will either. Because more than likely, the odds are that if we don't help those who stand in need, there will be no one else coming along behind us who is willing to stop either. Friend, the truth of the matter is, if you don't stop, nobody else probably will. Brethren, I'm telling you here today, when God allows our lives to cross paths with somebody who is lost, and on their way to devil's hell. We must approach the scenario as if we're the only ones there to help. And we're the only thing that stands between their soul 
an eternity in hell. Why? Because there's, even though there's no way for us to know for sure, there's a good chance that may very well be the case. Friend, you probably don't even realize it, but one day you will. When the Lord, that's why it's so important for us to realize it now on this side. Hey, listen, you may um, remain blind to it in this life. You may avoid it in the here and now. You, you may ignore it and, and, and chalk it up to somebody else's responsibility. But one of these days, God, I, I believe with all my heart that God's going to show us those occasions and those opportunities when we should have and we could have been the one to make the difference, but now they're in hell because of our negligence. Amen? And I'm afraid that there's people who are already burning today in hell's flames because I didn't do my job as a witness. Mm. Friend, can I just say to you that, um, uh, and, and there are so many things that I would like to, to say this morning, uh, that, that if we will view it that way, then we'll take this business of reaching sinners with the gospel and persuading and compelling people to be reconciled to God more seriously than what we have. Anybody say, I need to, to, to be more serious about winning people to Jesus? Amen. I'm telling you, church, uh, amen, our commission as ambassadors of Christ is a serious matter. It's time for we who are saved to take it and approach it more seriously than what we do. You say, preacher, what will happen if I take my responsibility as a Christian witness as seriously as the Lord expects me to and the one that He demands and requires out of my life? Well, sooner or later, I believe you'll get a vision for their need. Uh, and the vision you get will probably be a result of the time you spend interacting with them where they're at and the condition that they're in because you're willing to go to them where they're at, amen. Listen, if we're going to help those who've fallen down into the ditch of sin, we must go to where they're at and reach them in the depths of their valley. If we're waiting for them to come up to us, we're wasting our time. If we're just sitting around praying, Lord, help them to come to church, that's a prayer you just, you just wasted some of God's good air. Amen? Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, going into the highways, into the hedges, compelling them to come in that my house may be full. You know, I, I believe it's an indictment against this church and every other church in Greenville, Green County, and across the world today that his houses are not full of sinners. Do you know what we base our success on? Oh, now I feel like preaching all of a sudden. Hey, you know what we base our success on as Christians? Whether or not his house is full of church members. Amen? See, what we do, we just recruit uh, church members, just, just go from one church to another. Hop along. Amen? When in reality, the, the business and the responsibility of United Baptist Church and every other church that God has, uh, amen, planted in this community and in this nation and in this world is not to recruit other church members or other Christians. But it's to fill this house with sinners. Amen?
Again, I want to remind you that the church is not a showroom for saints, but it's a hospital for those who are lost. Amen. But here's the thing. We don't want that kind. Amen. I preached it last week and you gave me that deer in the headlights look. So that's when I know I'm right on track. When you when y'all become spiritual zombies, amen. Hypnosis. Amen. We don't want that kind. They don't look like us. They don't smell like us. They don't talk like us. They don't meet our standard, amen. I mean, what a tragedy. I, I'm thankful that, that I lived up to God's standard. Amen. His standards, he didn't come to, to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So what the church needs to get busy about today is to going out to where they're at. And, amen. And compelling them, going into the highways, into the hedges, going into the ditch to where they lay. They have been robbed, they have been wounded, and they've been left for half dead. And it's up to us to go where they're at and pick them up and bring them to his house. That man's good preaching, brother. You know, the church has become something other than what God intended it for, to be. It's a showroom. Look at me. Look at how good I am. Amen? This is a hospital. Or a hotel. Isn't that what? Isn't that what? Uh, oh, my. Here we go again. Isn't that what uh, the Good Samaritan did? He got him out of the ditch and he put oil and wine. Amen. All, I believe, represents the Holy Spirit. The wine represents the Word of God. Bound his wounds with medicine that would really help his condition and not some fake or false medicine that's going to further poison him and make him worse than he was, than he was before. And then he set him what on his what beast? His own beast, that which belonged to him. Used his personal resources to bring the man to Jesus. Wasn't afraid to put that dirty, filthy, nasty person in his own car. Set him on his own beast. And he brought him to the inn. Which I believe is a picture of the church, the hotel, or the hospital. Yep, man. And then he said one day, he said, and then, and then he, paid, he paid. He said, whatever, whatever he owes, when I return, I'll pay it the debt. And one day the Good Samaritan was going to return to the one that he entrusted that man's condition to and see whether or not he had faithfully done the job. As he'd been. One day Jesus is coming back and he's going to, amen, he, he's going to examine our lives and see whether or not we've been faithful stewards. And over those who we've been entrusted to. Boy, I love that story of the Good Samaritan, don't you? Man. But listen, once you start walling around the ditch with those who've been wounded, stripped, left half dead, you know what will happen? You'll start getting a vision for them. You'll start seeing them as God sees them. You won't view them as being, uh, uh, amen, the, uh, uh, the scum of society. But you'll see them as the one Jesus died for. And once that happens and one, you, once you understand the depths and the depravity of that ditch that they were in, uh, amen, and once you actually feel the pain that they feel, 
having been robbed, beaten, and left half dead in the bottom of the ditch with nobody to help them or turn to for help. You know, somebody that's in that condition, they can't help themselves. That's, a, that's attitude of church. Well, they need to, they need to have some gumption and help, help themselves. You know what they're do, doing? They're living according to their nature. You know why sinners sin? Sinners sin because sinners are sinners. We do not sin in order to become sinners. We sin because we are sinners. And it's according to a sinner's nature to act like a reprobate. And, and reprobates can't help themselves. Somebody's got to care enough to help them. Hallelujah. We come to him because he first come to us. The reason I can say Jesus is my sweetheart is because I was his sweetheart before I ever made him mine. Amen. And then once we see them, and once we experience the depravity and the depths of that ditch that they're in, and by the way, I want to remind you today that there's not a ditch too deep that God can't lift a sinner out of. Amen. There's not a condition too bad for, a Lord, for the Lord. Can't change their direction. They were headed from Jerusalem downward to Jericho on a slippery slope like a freight train out of control. But amen, God stops them in their tracks, turns them around, and now they're headed on the right way. That's, that's when you get a, a burden. You'll never have a burden until you get a vision. And then you'll never get a, a vision until you experience the depraved and desperate condition of sinners who stand in need. My eye affecteth my heart. What I see affects how I feel. You know what would be good for some of you is ride the church van on Wednesday night. I'm preaching now. Go to those homes and knock on their doors. Amen? right it won't take you long if you've got any heart whatsoever to start feeling for them you know what would be good for all of us go out here at Walmart in the woods and spend a couple hours sitting with those that are homeless if you're good if you're too good for that you're too good for Jesus My eye affecteth my heart. No vision. The people perish. A genuine and a sincere burden over the souls of men is something you cannot hide. If people, if the people that you're trying to reach don't know you have a burden, you ain't got one. A burden is something you can't hide. Let me ask you today, do your loved ones know you have a burden for them? Do they know you truly care? If you have the one, they'll know it. Now they may lash out and, 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 and uh, act as if they hate you and are bitter towards you, but a lot of times that's just, uh, amen, a face. That's just a mask that they're wearing to hide how they really feel. Our loved ones know we have a burden. If we have one, I believe they'll know that we do. 
you can't hide your burden. I think about Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The king, Artaxerxes, Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. And it was his responsibility to taste the wine to make sure it wasn't poison. I don't know about anybody else, but somebody else can have that job. Hallelujah. The Bible says, Wherefore the king said unto me, Nehemiah, that this is after he had heard about the condition of his, of his city. This is when somebody had filled him in just how bad things were in, were in Jerusalem. The remnant that had already traveled back. And the king looked at Nehemiah. Nehemiah didn't have to say a word. He looked at his countenance. He said, Why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was sore afraid, because that wasn't good for him to be sad in front of the king. He could lose his life over that. And he said unto the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulcher, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire? You know what? There's a time and a place for everything. And the days that we're living in are not a time or a place uh, for triviality or lightheartedness. Amen? These are serious days. These are desperate days. Uh, amen? And our loved ones are literally, as Jonathan Edwards put it, and I like him whether or not Beth Moore does, hallelujah. She couldn't shine his shoes. Oh, I can get up now. But he presented it as if souls were hanging over the flames of hell and the flames and the fires were licking at their feet and they were hanging by a thread and just waiting for those flames to reach high enough to singe that thread and dip their loved ones drop into the flames of hell. That's how close your loved ones are to eternity. But yet we live our lives as if we have all the time in the world and it's no big deal when we are this close to the trumpet sounding. We view the trumpet sounding as our emergency escape. It's our out of all the troubles and trials of this world. Thank God for it. But you know what the trumpet represents for your loved ones? It represents the door of the ark shutting. If they've heard the gospel, their chance for salvation is over. They're going to they're going to be receive strong delusion and they're going to believe a lie and be damned. Because when they heard the truth, they rejected it. And as a result, when the trumpet sounds, the door's going to shut and God's going to reject them. Amen. It's a big deal, isn't it? You know, you, you will never be able to reach your loved ones unless they know you have a real and genuine burden for their soul. And if you have one, they're going to know it. You can't hide a burden. As someone once said, people do not care what you know until they know that you care. God forbid that anybody that... And you know who we ought to be burdened over first and foremost? 
those of our own household. Noah preached all those years. He, bur- he built his ark, and when it was all said and done, the world rejected him, but yet his family was saved from the flood. Now listen, I want everybody to get saved, but the truth of the matter is, the world's not getting saved. Only a remnant will be saved. And let the world go to hell. But God forbid that I'd spend my entire life trying to reach the world and lose my own family. Save those of my own household. But yet then our burden should extend beyond our household. We ought to be burdened. Who should we be burdened for? Man, I could preach on this for two hours. Man, I'm losing weight. Can't keep my britches up today. Hallelujah. I need a a drawstring or something. (laughs) Twine. (laughs) Who should we burden? Who should we not be burdened for? Who is your neighbor? Isn't that the question that that Jesus asked? The Pharisee? He, he, He knew the law. He knew the word of God. Thou shalt love the Lord our God with all our heart, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, that's what you, you said right. But now let me ask you a question, big boy. Who's your neighbor? It was all said and done. Jesus included the man's enemy, the Samaritan, as being his neighbor. Who should we have a burden for? Well, we should have a burden for the people of Greenville, Tennessee. The people on your job, the people in your neighborhood, the people you see at the grocery store, the people that you uh, run into every day at the gym when you go to work out. We ought to have a burden for families. Help me preach right there. The devil is in the business of destroying families right before our eyes. We ought to have a burden for young people. We ought to have a burden for churches. Friend, if you don't have a burden for the local church, you ain't right with God. We ought to have a burden for America. But you know what? We ought to have a burden for for those what will be probably at least 50,000 souls that didn't even know what hit them when they were crushed and under the weight of buildings falling down upon them. And in a moment, 50,000 souls, many of whom probably did not know the name Jesus, went into eternity. Under in hell. And if we're right with God, we'll have a burden for those folk. And ye shall be witness, ye shall, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. We need more of a burden. The scope and the radius of our burden needs to be greater than what it is. How great should my burden be? And this is the crux of the message, but this is my last point today. Or, or how, how great could my burden be? 
How great should my burden be? And I believe right, th right here this is the smoking gun that would reveal that ain't none of us have as much of a burden as what we ought to have. You know what Paul said? He said in verse number 3 of our text, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Now in its context, he's talking about the nation of Israel. This word accursed. Paul said, I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ. On behalf of my kinsmen, those who are according to my own flesh, his loved ones. The word accursed here means anathema. And as simply as I know how to say it, it means to be cut off and sent to hell. You hear what this guy's saying? Now you may have read it before and you may have heard it, but I'm telling you just how real, it's no wonder God used him to reach the people God used him to reach. Paul said, I'm weighed down so heavy and my soul is crushed and broken to the point that I would rather the word anathema be written in over my life. I would literally rather be cut off from Christ and sent to hell if it means my family being saved. Friend, that's some heavy words. For somebody, and I promise you, Paul wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been written down within the inspired and errant word of God if Paul didn't mean what he was saying. He said, I'd rather go to hell if it meant my loved ones going to heaven. You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody here got that kind of burden? Would you rather go to hell and suffer forever throughout all eternity if it meant your those you love ending up in heaven? How many of you got somebody that's lost, you know, that you love? No doubt you love them. But are you that burdened for them? You say, well, is that what it's going to take for them to be saved? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that is the potential of the genuineness and the degree of our burden. I'll never, you know, you know what? That kind of burden makes a difference. That kind of burden has a lasting effect. That kind of burden is something that people who are the ones that are burdened for, they'll never forget. Maybe give you a quick testimony. I was growing up right here at this church, sitting probably, well, <laughs> this, was the, this, was the, this was the end of the church. So I was sitting right about here on the third row. And we was having one of them services. Preacher didn't get to preach. People were testifying. And I'll never forget my mama, who's usually a very quiet person, unlike me, 
standing in the front of this church when I was probably no more than 12 years old. And I'll never forget it to the day that I die as tears streamed down her face. And she said, I'd rather go to hell than for my babies to go there. And brother, I'm 43 years old and I've never forgot that. I remember the spot and the place I was sitting and I remember where she was standing when she made that statement. And her tears was a demonstration that she wasn't just spouting off the mouth, brother. She meant what she said. Parents, do you have that kind of burden for your youngins? Friend, it's winding down. You don't have to believe it. But the trumpet's getting ready to sound. And when it does, for those who have heard, it's over. Door's shut. If the ark's open right now for your loved ones, you need to be, some having compassion, making a difference. Others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Are we burdened? Over the souls of men who live around the world. Now let me just say this. It's not possible for you to go to hell so somebody else could go to heaven. Jesus is the only one that could die so that others might live. That's the kind of burden Christ had for you. He was willing to have anathema being written over His head when he died on Calvary so you could live and be saved. In closing, we're not within a galaxy's distance of having the kind of burden that's required to make a difference in our world today. For the most part, either we don't care or maybe we even have a bitterness, an angst, or an animosity and over their condition. Because they're not like us. And they don't dot our, their I's and cross their T's like we do. But regardless, even if we pray for them, look at them, have sympathy for them, or even go to the funeral home to pay our respects and condolences for them, we are miles and miles away from having the kind of burden Jesus had for us and, and, and the one the Apostle Paul had over his loved ones. I conclude with this illustration. Later on this day, I'm getting later on today, I'm getting ready to do something that I really don't want to do. And that's walked into a funeral home and pay my last respects. Over the life of, ba of a baby that hadn't even started living that one day I'm going to be held responsible for before God. I went to that funeral home yesterday and the clerk pointed my attention towards a little bag sitting on the counter and it was a stuffed animal of hers. And right beside it was a doll that her and her daddy had sewn together and they were going to put it in the casket. And I walked out of that funeral home and I wanted to throw up.
And to be honest with you, all this week I've been distracted. And I've been sick at my stomach over what happened to that precious little angel. But you know what? The Lord whispered in my ear sometime through that process. He said, why didn't you feel that way before this happened? And I said, oh God. You know, the truth of the matter is, and, and, and I'm being respectful, because ever since then I've been wandering back through my mind thinking, whether it be at one of our youth revivals or in one of the classes, is there a time and a place that you ask Jesus to save us? I hope so. But you know, spiritually speaking, I ought to have viewed her and all of you, every one of these children that come into our church on Wednesday night that make me want to scream, <laughs> and all of these people that make me mad in society because they're not like me. But you know, I ought to look at that, that, I ought to looked at that precious little girl. She was precious. She was beautiful. She had no direction in life. Like most young people in our day. But you know, while she was alive, I ought to view her as the Samaritan viewed the one that he saw laying in the ditch, having been robbed and wounded and left for half dead. And maybe if I'd have, if I'd have done that, maybe I wouldn't have to look back now and in my mind, view her death or her, her lifeless, beautiful, angelic body lying in a cornfield for weeks on end in the midst of the winter months, exposed to the cold and the freezing elements and who knows what else. As her little corpse cried out, saying, why didn't somebody help me? Why didn't somebody care enough? Why didn't somebody do just a little bit more? And friend, when you've done everything that you think is required of you, just think about that little angel and what, if, what might have happened if somebody had just done a little bit more than what they thought was enough for them to do. I'm glad that when Jesus went as far, went much further than most people would ever think he would go, the Bible says that he went a little further. And he did a little more. Not because anybody had to twist his arm. Not because anybody had to give him a guilt trip. Just because he loved you and he loved me.
enough to be willing to have anathema written in over him so that we might not have to do that thing. I say all that to say from the pulpit with you, we all are in desperately, we are desperately in need to have more of a burden than what we have right now. Not within a, a galaxy's throw distance of having the burden that we could have and we should have if we really understand what Jesus did for us in light of the stakes, the highness of the stakes and all that's... You are the only thing standing in between somebody spending an eternity in a devil's hell. Let's all stand today. Father in heaven, I've preached the message. I pray that I wouldn't have said anything inappropriate, been respectful. But Lord, I pray that Lord, it would be better off for us not to come to the altar than to come and make some frivolous, emotional decision that we back up on before we ever walk out of the parking lot. 